0: A reading from the book of Genesis, the second chapter, beginning at the 18th verse. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. The word of the Lord.
1: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark.
0: Glory to you, Lord Christ.
1: Jesus then left that place and went into the region of Judea and across the Jordan. Again, crowds of people came to him, and he was, as was his custom, he taught them. Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you, he replied. They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote this law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let no one separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. He answered, Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them, When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, "'Let the little children come to me, "'and do not hinder them, "'for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. "'Truly I say to you, "'anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God "'like a little child will never enter it.' "'And he took the children in his arms, "'placed his hands on them, and bless them. The Gospel of the Lord.
0: Praise to you, Lord Christ.
1: I speak
2: to you in the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. We are not made to do life alone. Rather, God designed us to need others in addition to our relationship with him. Problem is, relationships are hard. We all have patterns in our relationships with spouse, friends, parents, kids, coworkers, patterns that end up keeping us disconnected and alone. I'm not saying that some of us don't have full calendars, but being busy or even being around people is not necessarily the same thing as being relationally connected. Today, I want us to reflect on what inhibits us, what keeps us from engaging in relationships in the way that God has truly intended and that our hearts truly desire. What keeps us from being a people who are truly connected? Well, at the end of the day, the answer is sin. The root of our relational hesitancy, though it may look different for each one of us, the root of it can be traced to sin. Or as our gospel passage referred to it today, to a hardness of heart. But here's the good news, that God does not desire for us to remain stuck. Y'all know the saying, he loves us just as we are, but loves us too much to want us to stay that way. The good news is that God has provided and continues to provide what we need to overcome our hardness of heart through the principles he's revealed in his word, and by giving us the Holy Spirit as our helper. Over the summer, a buddy of mine shared an episode with me from a podcast called The Place We Find Ourselves. In this podcast, the host typically invites guests to tell real life stories about their own experiences of trauma and relationships. And in this particular episode, which a few of you may have listened to, I shared it on social media. In this particular episode, the host was interviewing a colleague of his named Sam Holman, about his essay titled You Need More Than God. You Need More Than God. Now that's a bold title. That's not something you hear every day in church. But to support this, Holman goes back all the way to Genesis to the passage we heard today from chapter two. He points to the verse, our passage open with verse 18, where even though Adam is in Eden, where God has called so much good and where God would literally come and walk alongside Adam, God still says there in verse 18, it is not good for man to be alone. Well, Holman takes the liberty of retelling verse 18 in his own words. He writes this, he says, God turns to Adam. You're lonely, God says. Adam stops. There's silence between them for a minute. Adam looks at God and looks away. God continues, I get it. It's okay. Well, it's not okay, says God. Is that what this is? Adam says, tapping his chest. Yes, God sighs. And it's not good. Adam had God completely. And still, Adam was lonely and alone by God's admission. Which means God alone wasn't enough. He could have created human beings to only need him, but he didn't. He chose not to. God says to Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. Here, let me do something about that. And God makes Eve to be Adam's wife. Well, I agree with Holman that our relationship with God is not enough, at least on this side of glory. So God provides Adam with someone like him in these ways. And in verse 23, we see Adam celebrating this, calling Eve bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. From the beginning, God has created us for relationships with one another. Now, God joined Adam and Eve in marriage, right, as husband and wife. However, God didn't intend marriage either to be the sole remedy for human loneliness. Even those of us who are married, it's still not God's intention for us to put the pressure of all of our relational needs on one human. Indeed, God instituted the church to be quite literally a new and spiritual family for believers. God intends for us to have many points of connection with others, to have friendships. Holman reminds us that even Jesus in Gethsemane, in the garden of Gethsemane, that's an example showing that even Jesus needed his friends. As he tells his three closest disciples, Jesus says, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He says to them, Stay here and keep watch with me. But of course, in this instance, his friends failed him, didn't they? They failed to stay awake. which speaks to the tension that all of us live in. That God made us to need human relationships. And yet human relationships are far from perfect on delivering, aren't they? Now as wonderful as that picture of Adam and Eve in Genesis 2 is, it's not one of those happily ever after stories, is it? Because the next chapter in Genesis recounts humanity's fall into sin. And we see Adam and Eve both go from feeling completely safe and connected to feeling fearful. And literally, the scripture tells us, literally covering themselves up. An apt illustration for the effect sin has on the way we engage relationships. And can't we all relate to that a little bit? Don't we sometimes feel like covering ourselves? It's that hardness of heart rearing its ugly head again. Sin hindering us from experiencing the deep connection with other human beings that we need. But the good news is that God has provided and continues to provide what we need to overcome our hardness of heart, whatever it looks like for us. He's given us what we need to overcome that through the principles he's revealed in his word and by giving us the Holy Spirit as our helper. Unfortunately, the people Jesus is addressing in our gospel passage today have not caught this good news. The Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, they're attempting to discredit Jesus with a question of whether it's lawful for a man to divorce his wife. And there's a lot going on here. I can't discourage you enough from just taking this passage at face value. But scholars tell us that the Pharisees in Jesus' day were divided on this issue. Some of them believed a man could divorce his wife only if she were unfaithful. Whereas uh, another group believed a man could divorce his wife for almost anything. For even looking unattractive or burning his toast. So Jesus asked these Pharisees in response to their question, he says, well, what, what did Moses command? And they say, well, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. Now, my focus today is not particularly on when divorce is or isn't appropriate or how this scripture speaks to divorce in general. Again, that's an important topic and you can come to me and see me if you have questions about that. But for today, what's relevant here is what's behind these men seeking to end their relationships? What's behind that? Or we can ask why aren't these men instead seeking to move toward their relationships to mend the brokenness that may be there? Well, Jesus gives us an answer. The Pharisees have said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. And Jesus replies, it was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote this law. And there it is, hardness of heart. See, these men Jesus is talking about are in protection mode, right? They're lacking any appreciation for these relationships and the way God has created them for relationships. Now, in this instance that this gospel is referring to, this is a pretty extreme example, what's going on here, right? I mean, we can do this in really small ways, be in protection mode. But in this case, you know, lives are being destroyed, right? There are some seriously hard hearts in these men. But we should hesitate to dismiss them as therefore unrelatable. You know how it goes. The Bible's not just about those other people who mess up. The Bible's written for us. The challenge is to see ourselves in the word. Sure, we may not so recklessly end relationships as the Pharisees did. I mean, burnt toast, it's pretty extreme. But as we've been saying, we also, just like the Pharisees, we also struggle with hardness of heart in our relationships. And we don't always seek to move toward them. Right? And can often retreat in protection mode when, when, it, when we shouldn't, when it's unnecessary. Right? Even though it's at the expense of our own relational needs and dishonors our God-given design as relational creatures. Thankfully, we have the good news for today and always, that God has provided what we need to overcome our hardness of heart through the principles he's revealed in his word and by giving us the Holy Spirit as our helper. So we've seen some different ways the hardness of heart can manifest in these two scriptures we've looked at, right? Adam and Eve become fearful and cover themselves. These men in today's gospel have a serious unwillingness to do the hard work of relationship. But God has provided what we need to overcome the hardness of heart through the principles he's revealed his word. What principles do I keep talking about? What principles can soften our hearts or guard against them becoming harder? Well, principles like confession of our sins, Not least, confession of our hardness of heart toward others. Principles like receiving the love and forgiveness of God so that we might then be able to extend it to others. Principles like honesty, truthfulness, not fearing things being brought into the light. Honesty with others, but just as importantly, honesty with ourselves. Principles like focusing on the log in our own eye rather than the speck in others. These are practices that can soften our heart and guard against hardness. These are practices that enable us to move in confidence, not not fearfully like Adam and Eve. They enable us to move in empathy and hope, not in unwillingness like we saw with the men in the gospel passage. But I wanna add a final principle that is more implicit in scripture than explicit. And that principle is vulnerability. The word vulnerability comes from the Latin word meaning to wound, because to be vulnerable is to risk the possibility of being wounded, just like Jesus did in that garden Brene Brown says vulnerability is having the courage to show up and be seen when we have no control over the outcome. She says that is actually our greatest measure of courage. Our greatest measure of courage is our ability to be vulnerable. So this final principle of vulnerability, what's it look like? Well. It can start by looking like admitting that we need others. Admitting that, that's that's the next step for some of us, right? Just admitting it, that we aren't an island. Or it may look like actually voicing, giving voice to our needs. Asking for care and maybe a critical relationship we have, asking. It may look like being willing to share more of our heart with others. It may be a willingness to say, like Holman was describing Adam in that that essay, a willingness to say, you know, I'm not okay. How's for you to say that, right? We can do ourselves such a disservice by not being willing to say that to anybody.
1: Well, to do all of this,
2: to do any of this, friends, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit, but God has placed his Holy Spirit inside of us whom we can call on for courage and strength and the willingness that we need to cultivate relationships to take that step out to possibly experience the deeper connection that our hearts really desire, even if we've buried it so much that we're almost numb to it. The good news is that God does not desire for us to remain relationally stuck, to remain where we are right now. And he has provided what we need to overcome that hardness of heart that keeps us there. So I wonder, what what is the next step for us today, us as individuals, right? Where do we need God to soften our hearts? Where do we need his encouragement, his help to take the risk he's calling us to? Well, in a moment, I want to lead us through a short prayer to submit before the Lord anything that he's placed on our hearts, any action that he may be calling us to take or just Anything he's wanting us to look at in that hardness with him, look at with him. And perhaps the hymns that follow today, we can, in the hymns that follow, we can, those can help persuade our hearts a little bit further, build our courage a little bit more. We'll have the opportunity, of course, in our liturgy to confess any sin, and then we'll join in Holy Communion. What do we do in Holy Communion? At the beginning, we lift up our hearts to the Lord and we ask him to soften them to make them like his to continue working his transformation of transforming our hearts from hearts of stone into soft hearts to hearts of flesh we pray with me Lord, relationships, vulnerability, even being open to connection, it can be so hard. It can be such powerful voices in our hearts. Don't you dares, don't be that stupids. You're only gonna get hurts. But we know that you created us for a relationship. That you want more for us, and we thank you that you created us this way because we know it's the better way. So Lord, we bring before you any relationship or just pattern way of being as we relate to other people that may have come up for us here. That that keeps us isolated or disconnected. Can you just bring that, and in the quiet of your hearts, bring that before the Lord now, name that before him? It's okay, it's safe. God, give us wisdom to see a way forward about this. Give us courage to choose something different. Holy Spirit, be our helper. In Jesus' name, amen.